0: You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. I'm here today with Paul. Hey, Paul, how's it going?
2: Hello, dear. It's going well. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm pretty excited, actually. We have a special guest on today who is a, a former full-stack web developer and UX multitasker and a current lead programmer at Transolar Games that is currently working on Summer Days at Hero U and has also recently submitted a little game called uh, Chosen One into Adventure Jam 2020. Let me welcome Sydney Hamilton. Hey, Sydney. How's it going?
0: Hey, Anna. That's a very flattering intro. Oh, it's to be wow
1: happy to have you here. Uh, So uh, I guess that is mainly what you've been spending most of your time on working with uh, Summer Days at Hero U. Now that's a game made by Transolar Games, and that's an indie game studio that was founded Mm -hmm. by somebody that many of us know, and that's Lori and Corey Cole, uh, creators of the Quest for Glory series.
0: Yes. Uh, So Transolar Games was founded right when, I believe when they were doing the School for Heroes web game. And after a while, they decided to actually make a video game. Originally they were just gonna do a text adventure, but then decided they wanted graphics. So Carry was kickstarted. I was originally a backer. Um around that time I was starting to get pretty disillusioned with web development and was learning Unity programming on the side, and then saw that they needed additional programmers. I reached out to Corey. We talked I was originally just gonna work something like, I mean, 10, 20 hours a week on the project, in addition to some to some freelance work, mm-hmm. but as her, you progressed, I got a lot more involved in part because it was pretty close to not actually shipping. Mm-hmm. And, um, since then I've, I've been a lead developer. So summer days, I'm the only programmer. There's two artists that are still working on it. It's a much smaller project and it's much more focused on pure story rather than combat or game mechanics.
1: So yeah, it's a it's a beautiful game. So, so you have a smaller team now. Uh, how many people would you say that you work with on a daily or weekly basis?
0: Just five. There's the Coles and the two artists, uh, J.P. Selwood and Alufrazio, who is also a Sierra alum.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great team. And I guess Lori and Corey, must, uh, you must be in contact with them fairly regularly, too. Do you guys do meetings fairly frequently? Um,
0: we have regular Tuesday meetings over Google Hangouts, but we mostly talk via Slack or IRC. And mm-hmm. Corey also is very active in our in our Discord server.
1: Wow. So everybody has to really be technologically on board. Uh, that's pretty cool. And I'm guessing none of you really live that close to each other either.
0: Uh, it's actually a lot better now. Um on Here Are you the other lead developer was in New Zealand, so meetings mm-hmm. were hard to schedule. So now <laughs> yeah. we're at least all in the same continent.
3: So, That's good. So to start from the beginning, Sydney, uh, did you? Um, uh, how did you get into programming? And did, did you specifically want to go in for games, or was it just uh, more of a g- general programming uh, that you were getting into?
0: So think like a lot of the people you've interviewed, I grew up playing Sierra adventure games and thought games were really cool and kind of vaguely wanted to make my own. However, at around the same time, um, I got active on the Sierra message boards, was doing online role-playing. And I mean, back in the late nineties, the web was, uh, very new and very esoteric. And I started making my own rep- websites and was really excited about that. And um the thing that interests me the most was um was multiplayer role playing so the first game I actually did was uh for a senior thesis in high school um it was a uh, technically an m m o um it was entirely play by post uh I had several moderators a uh, pretty comprehensive world and uh, it was mostly story- storytelling-based. I had no idea how to monetize it and didn't really want to because these people were my friends and it was something that I was doing for fun. And um, when I got when I got to college, there was this new similar website called Facebook that was becoming a lot more popular. <laughs> and I didn't find that any fun. I mean, people were posting really boring things there. Um, but after a while, I mean... Uh, web 2.0 took off and people kind of lost the attention span for long form writing. Storium is actually the project that's the closest to what I did, in that it's a pure narrative based uh, gaming system where you can do, do interactive stories with groups of, say, four or five. Um, mm-hmm. But initially, I mean, the technologies that interest me were, were web based, but I was always interested in games and programming as a way to facilitate gaming and storytelling. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into the game industry for a while, mostly because, I mean, in the right when I was in college, the games that were coming out were really boring. Um, <laughs> adventure games were over, and I wasn't really interested in, I mean, Diablo 3 or any of the AAAs that were coming out. And it wasn't until, I mean, the indies took off and a lot of the Sierra developers were doing their own Kickstarters that I started thinking, hey, maybe making games would be more interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious. What were um what were some of your like favorite childhood games or, or games that you grew up on? I heard you mentioned Sierra and Adventure a lot. So I'm guessing you're quite fond of of some of the old Sierra games.
0: So the first game I played was King's Quest IV. My father actually got it for me to teach me how to type, since the I mean, the parser mechanic was mm-hmm. was pretty critical then. Um, I loved Quest for Glory when I played it. Um, I didn't play Gabriel Knight until. Probably my early
2: 20s, but if I had to pick one, that's probably my my favorite Sierra game. Nice. Mm. Me too. Maybe. <laughs> and uh, that'll change tomorrow, but right now it is. If,
3: if, I, if I act fast, I'll be in my well, early 40s when I finally play Gabriel Knight.
1: Yeah, I, I really, really want to play it. It is on my list. Although I, I did uh, meet you in the, uh, the beginning at King's Quest IV. That was also my first game. Mm-hmm. So, do do you have a particular preference for the parser versus the point and click interface
3: when it comes to gaming? Like, do you? Uh, there's a lot of people who do kind of, uh, whether it be nostalgia or actually for people who enjoy the actual mechanics of the parser, uh, they're really devout into it. But there's some people who are really much like, no, no, the point and click is the way to go. Do you have sort of like a um, a side of the battle?
0: That's an interesting question, and. I think they're both good for different things. The parser mm-hmm. is really good for exploration and puzzle solving, but if you're doing a more character-centered game, it's really hard to do meaningful dialogue with the parser. Mm. I mean, even the early Kings Quest four uh, Kings Quest games, you really didn't talk to the NPCs very much. There wasn't much, I mean, character development. Right. And it wasn't until I want to say Quest for Glory four that I really saw a point. I mean, Sierra Games having really interesting. Uh, Character interactions and and story and storylines that were driven by by dialog trees. Mm-hmm. It's, you just can't do dialog trees with a parser. I've I've written text adventures. I've tried to do it. It's you have to anticipate everything the player might say, and it's not really feasible. Right. I mean, there are some interesting AI experiments that do that, but if you want to have a character-driven game, you can't just have it a parser.
2: Hmm. Right, right. That's that's interesting. You mentioned that, that you, uh, you've you tried your hand at, at text adventures. I, I recently was introduced to a program called Inform. Um, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? Is that what you used?
0: I've used Inform. I've used uh, some other programs, too. But I did... I worked on an Inform 7 game for IF Comp a, a few years back, and probably played around with making my own parsers when I was a kid.
2: Was there a part of you that um, ever considered, like, were you always kind of decidedly going to head into the programming side of gaming, or was there a part of you that was curious as to the art or storytelling as well?
0: Um. Oh, not at all. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a writer, and I just kind of taught myself programming, incidentally, to tell interactive stories. <laughs> but That's cool. What
3: what got you into writing then?
0: Uh, I was dictating stories and telling making up stories from when i was probably one or two years old so i don't even really remember <laughs> yeah, yeah like
3: do you have any one thing the that standard
0: experience would... experience of i read books i like books let me make my own books right oh i like their interactive books let me make those too oh i have to learn how to program for that let me do that oh huh. like this is actually a really marketable skill that's that's cool. I'm about to graduate from college and I need to figure out how to survive. Let me <laughs> go with
1: that. Yes. Well, being that you were already programming so early and then you ended yeah. up starting uh, college early as well at about age 16, did you already know the direction that you were going to go into education wise?
0: Um, so I was actually, uh, I think my intended major was comparative literature or something. But it wasn't mm-hmm. until I got to college that I realized that English classes were really boring and computer science <laughs> classes were a lot more fun. The school I went to also had a great, a really great computer science department, which may have helped. Mm-hmm.
1: So that so did you, you finished out your degree in computer sciences mm-hmm. and then uh you went into the tech sector immediately? Were you uh did you have to go out hunting or did they come hunting for you? How did it work?
0: Um I think I Put my resume on LinkedIn sometime before I graduated and got spammed with recruiters. So (laughs) I guess they came hunting for me. Mm -hmm. I also been doing um, freelance web development from back right when I started college. So connection, decent
3: amount of experience there. So as Anna mentioned, you uh, took part in the adventure game jam. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that 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 was this year, right? Yeah. It was that. Uh, so, did you have a small team, or was it just you? Or uh,
0: I think I went into it with completely different goals than everyone else <laughs> did. I've been wanting to do Ludum Dare for a while, but um, because I have a chronic illness, I wasn't sure that I could handle a forty-eight hour game jam. So I was like, "Oh, there's a game jam coming up that's two weeks, and I can make an adventure game. That sounds like good practice." Mm-hmm. But nice. my goal was to do all of the assets myself including things that I had zero experience in. So like I composed the music for that game. I've never composed, a, written a song in my life.
3: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: So, it was very hand, uh, handmade from scratch and <laughs> clearly not competitive with the really <laughs> very <laughs> polished final results that people were doing.
3: How was the adventure jam um, experience? Like, well, how, cause I've, I used to take part in um forty eight hour filmmaking festivals and they were pretty, uh, Quite the wild ride, so I can't. But I can't even like picture having to make a game in a very limited amount of time because that's just like I said, that's beyond my comprehension. It's honestly,
0: you know? not so not so bad because when you're making a game, you're uh, for Game Jam, you're usually using some kind of framework, so You're not actually writing the systems code from scratch. I didn't write mm, gotcha. a single line of code for Game Jam.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Just doing. It. Uh, I used uh, Unity program called Adventure Creator that
1: has its own visual scripting system. Okay. Yeah, it was very cute. You know, I mean, every part of me wanted... I don't want any spoilers, but I I will just say I wanted to see more. I wanted to see the next step, of course. It left Mm -hmm. me feeling like it was going to be an interesting journey.
0: Yeah, well... Part of the appeal of the game jam was the deadline, meant I couldn't go back and be like, wow, this art really sucks. I'm going to, I mean, try to get it perfect before I get it in. But now that it's over, I'm actually working on on a patch where I go back and redo all the art, art, so everything has the same pixel grid. The rooms actually have decent perspective. And yes, it was intended as the prologue for a longer game if I felt up to it, but hopefully it stands on its own.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think so. It had a nice mood to it. I mean, it was anticipation, but it was also a little bit scary, but there was also, you know, ready to wield power. And it, it had a lot of feelings in it for a, a shorter game.
0: Um, some of that was, I, I mean, Summer Days is very much a family friendly game, and all of the Quest for Glory games really are. And I kind of wanted to do something that was a bit darker. And. <laughs> mm-hmm this gave me an outlet
2: to do that Mm -hmm. i kind of would think that you probably didn't get a a whole lot of sleep in in them two weeks considering you had to you know learn how to (laughs) and compose your own music and and do the art i mean that sounds like a marathon
0: um it it's definitely a marathon not a sprint um Mm -hmm. the way i approached it was kind of very much like an engineer. Like I had minimum viable product and what is the minimum amount of work I need to do to do it. And then planned on spending the rest of the time polishing and iterating. Mm -hmm. But as it turned out, once I actually had the game working, I was exhausted and didn't quite get all those those other extra features in for like, Mm -hmm. for instance, there's no save game system. There's the, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I deferred because it was optional that I didn't end up doing. And at least following the other people on Discord, a lot of people approached it by doing the arc first and then spending like the last few days frantically trying to fix bugs and getting everything together. <laughs> Whereas, like I planned on fixing all the bugs like a week before before I shipped it. So,
3: right.
0: <laughs> I definitely. I'm actually really excited about doing it again next year. Now that I know what to expect.
1: Yeah, there's a a scary anticipation about the first time and a lot of wondering, and there is a certain confidence that comes with doing something the second time for sure. So I'm looking forward to seeing your entry in next year's.
0: The other thing was I was, for a while, I wasn't even sure if I was going to submit it or submit. I I definitely wasn't planning on submitting under my real name. I probably made this mistake of telling Roberta, who is our marketing person, and uh, probably the a very ardent quest for glory fan, and she mm-hmm. she tweeted about it. So by that point, I was committed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now it's happening. <sighs> oh, that's great! So uh, you must have had some role models growing up. I'm guessing some of the women in the industry might have encouraged you to go in this direction. Is that true? People like Roberta Williams, maybe Christy Marks, Laurie, who you're with now, Jane Jensen. Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean. The, um, because there were so many uh, female Sierra designers, I didn't, it took me a long time to realize that that was unusual.
1: Yeah, I feel you there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even outside of that, I didn't realize that it wasn't a thing that girls did or didn't play computer games. I just thought it wasn't a thing that kids my age played computer games. So that was the way that I saw it as split. Uh, did you know many people growing up that played computer games?
0: I really didn't until I started. I mean, I started spending si- time on Sierra Message specifically because it was hard for me to relate to kids my own age and because um I wanted to find fans of something similar. So by the time I was 9 or 10, I had a lot of online friends that were very into the same games I, I was into. Mm-hmm. But as a little kid, nobody understood what I was talking about. <laughs>
1: No, I feel that outside of my family, anyways, that people were just like, "Oh, you play games on the computer? That that's fun. Do you want to watch?" N- no, that's okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was always like, "Oh, I didn't know Mario Brothers was on the PC too."
1: <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> it's Mario Paints. Is that no, yeah. not the same? That's pretty cool. So, so you grew up with a father that was an aerospace engineer mm-hmm. and, and he's had some pretty hefty connections. Is, did that sort of influence the types of systems that you had growing up? It must have.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. It was, I mean, his computer and his internet connection and his technology that I was using early on. So I, mean, mm-hmm. I guess there were other kids that had internet access, but it was a mm-hmm. lot more primitive.
1: Yeah, because he'd have to have the the top of the top of the line to do the stuff that he was doing, like complicated mathematical things. And
2: yeah, it almost almost that sounds like a, almost sounds like a lot of pressure, like a, 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 having having a father that's that well achieving.
0: Forget offhand if he learned to learn at least some programming in college. Um, he uh, he went to MIT in the sixties and dropped out to work on the Apollo program, and then. Wild. <laughs> uh, when I was when I was growing up, we were around Cape Canaveral so he was doing something pretty di- different then. But I think he definitely saw saw that you know, learning how to program is good. I'm going to make sure my kid like has access and resources to do this. He didn't specifically teach me how to program, but he he got me a lot of I mean books, and I was able to teach myself. And mm-hmm. that's encouraged in that direction.
1: That's pretty cool. Did they have like? NASA picnics and stuff? Uh
0: not really. So he didn't he wasn't my father was never technically a NASA employee. He was always an independent contractor. I think mm. at some point at, right now directly for NASA. But um from what I understand the corporate environment there was was kind of competitive and
1: Mm. So they weren't mm. all holding hands and having picnics. It was a bit more tense than that. Lots of like cutting edge technology and secrets and things.
0: Uh, a lot of like negotiating contracts and mm. getting fired. And also the Columbia disaster happened oh,
1: when it gosh, was good. Oh yeah. Right. There's really
0: someone involved in that.
1: Oh, yeah, I guess so. That one that one would have hit you much harder than a, a lot of the rest of us just watching it on TV, I understand, being a, sort of in the middle of it there. Yeah, I think
0: my dad was friends with this one of the, the people the time. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Or at least not, maybe not close, but maybe but I knew
3: that. Knew.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the w- whole world kind of felt they were close with uh, a lot of the people on that mission, so I can't imagine. And, I mean, came
0: down to really computer error. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean computers, right? We we've learned so much over the last couple of decades. It's really even hard to comprehend some of some of the technical issues that would have been had back in that time. Now it's just it's a completely different story. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. So are you mainly working on um, with your are you mainly working on Summer Days at Hero U right now? Do you have any side projects going on now that you've completed the Adventure Jam game?
0: So some days is um it's been a bit slow because the coals are dealing are doing caretaking for a sick parent um, hmm. during COVID nineteen. So I am working on some preliminary stuff for a full length game, hmm. and also try uh trying to do the the patch for my adventure for my adventure jam game and get a bit more proficient with pixel art and pretty much all the the entire school said I would need to do solo projects. I met hmm. Francisco Gonzalez at, at PAX and mm-hmm. was really impressed by the idea of one person making a game like Land Plague City. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. just him, but it was pretty much him doing the art, animation, programming, everything. Mm-hmm. So I have a point-click adventure that's maybe, would be full-length and has, is also an adventure RPG. It's a it's a pretty ambitious project, so I'm not quite comfortable announcing it or talking about it.
3: Mm, fair enough.
0: Mm-hmm. I've also been doing um, some additional freelance work. And...
1: Oh wow! So a variety of things you can do. I mean, I mean yeah. that's the brilliance of being able to work at home nowadays. The the once you have those computer skills, you can be wanted anywhere, all over the world for something. I mean, it does get lonely, <laughs> um, but yes, mm-hmm.
0: it is nice to be able to work. Anywhere,
2: I would really like a definitive release date for your game that is just (laughs) in the beginning of creation.
3: (laughs) (laughs) On the record, right now,
0: (laughs) it'll definitively be released.
2: Nice, (laughs) there There you you go. go. (laughs) In the future. so all your all your programming it it sounds like it it started almost from web development i'm curious like was was the the roots of its creation within like making like a GeoCities page like something like that
0: Um, it was playing around with i mean like probably making like some simple c++ games before that but um yeah, I had a GeoCities page when I was 12. I bought my own domain names and had my website. Uh, <laughs> the the game was called A Ashar Online. If you search really hard on Internet Archive, you can probably find it.
2: I was just going to um, ask if uh, if your GeoCities or the game was on the Wayback Machine. It'd be fun to go look at.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's actually
0: a fan page for it that's oh, wow. more that's accessible
1: awesome. than the actual game. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Especially going way back, do you do you ever get the feeling that you want to do any changes or put out patches for a game that you made a long time ago, perhaps just to learn or just for fun? <laughs> um, well, I get paid
0: to put out patches for games I made a long time ago.
2: So <laughs> Sorry that's to beautiful.
0: That. <laughs> Actually there's a there's an upcoming Yoruba uh Rope redemption patch that's probably coming out once we get the German translation in. So oh, wow. I'm going to be supporting that for quite a while. Mm-hmm.
3: Are there um, are there other genres outside of adventure that you would be interested in working in if the opportunity came up?
0: Um, Well, I've always been interested in role playing games primarily. In fact, I'm somewhat I'm somewhat of a bad adventure game fan because if there's no interactivity or gameplay, I I don't tend to get as engaged in it. So, um, adventure RPGs are kind of the perfect hybrid. They're very time consuming to make.
3: Yeah, (laughs) a lot of
0: balance. But there's actually also an action RPG that I. Don't know if I'll ever release, but
1: I've
0: mm. been pro- I've prototyped it and there's a platformer I'm working on with Alufris called Arctic Blast, where you're playing a penguin who is fighting some intrepid humans that are trying to <laughs> start a mine in the Arctic.
3: If it's got a penguin, I will definitely buy a copy of that if not to
0: it, it's got a penguin it's a very cute character it's something that a, that a coworker and I are working on in our spare time though and his standards are probably higher than mine I mean like I, I've been doing the game jams to be like yeah I can just make a game in a few days and release it and he actually wants this to be you know reflective of you know the quality of games that he's made in the past
3: and if you release a patch for it that uh, turns your character into a duck I'll buy five copies for Paul <laughs>
2: oh, oh my God.
0: I will hold you to that <laughs> to oh, come on, don't get on
2: board with that God. I got so many duck puns I gotta deal with every day Sydney it's horrible
0: <laughs> yeah I believe uh, uh, Steve Alexander is also working on a platformer so maybe we can release some kind of you know adventure game dubs to make platformers bundle that's right <laughs>
3: uh Frog Sheen he's, Frogshin, he's uh, yeah. working on. So yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. It's really good to see uh I don't know. I, I I guess those are the ones that I grew up with the most personally was uh, adventure and platformers because that was just <laughs> like sort of that time that uh, um that era of gaming. Uh if it was on <laughs> consoles it was a platform, if it was on PC it was adventures. So yeah I I am I'm, I'm really excited about uh the independent scene these days 'cause it's uh, it really seems to be catering to uh my generation of gamers.
0: I unfortunately I never grew up with platformers, so <laughs> I probably find find platformers way too hard and the mechanics yeah. of coding are probably way too easy for people that like you. But
2: I did like how you mentioned the the indie scene, as if there's any other scene for adventure game fans.
0: Whatsoever. <laughs> um, well, technically, the Steam Summer Festival just happened, and adventure was the most popular category. I think
1: or one of the yeah. most really?
0: categories. There are a lot. I mean, because everything is tagged adventure if there's yeah. you know, some kind of story to it.
1: I was explaining adventure games to my oldest son's girlfriend and I said it's kind of like the clue games you like cuz she really likes the clue games. I said but with a little bit more story and content. She's like, "Oh, okay." So, I threw a few on her computer and and we'll see what she thinks. Mm-hmm. She's never played one in her life, so.
3: What, what did you start her out with Leisure Suit Larry?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just I I gave her King's Quest 5 and uh and I gave her Space Quest 4. I don't figure she'll do very well with Space Quest 4, but she'll find it funny for a few minutes, and and she might like the King's Quest 5. (laughs) Do you you think there's a game that would be better to start her off with? Maybe do you think I should have done a LucasArts game or something?
0: I don't think King's Quest 5 has aged well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the hand-painted graphics, come on! (laughs)
0: Uh, the, The interface was a bit rough. (laughs) <laughs> that's I mean, if you're going to start with a King's Quest game, probably King's Quest 6. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
1: that's reasonable. I just thought maybe, you know, having an owl around might make her want to play games more.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I- I'm sure puzzles like throwing a pie in a Yeti's face crosses <laughs> generation gaps.
1: <laughs> well, at the time, it seemed like a great idea.
3: <laughs> Intuitive,
2: yes. I mean like seven hours later when there was no other ideas left to try in that moment? <laughs>
3: So I know your time is uh, valuable in the mid city. So I just want to um, just uh, check in with you. Is there uh, are there any shout outs or uh, anything that you would like to uh, or any plugs that you like to give just before we uh, wrap up the interview?
0: Probably rope redemption. <laughs>
3: yeah, hero you. I think um, there's anything
0: actionable for summer days yet. There's Right. The, the demos on Steam Wish uh, List Wishlist summer days at Perriel.
2: Alright, sounds good. Alright, well thank you so much for joining us, Sydney. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always. And and listeners, you you heard her go bloody wish list them games, right? Get Road to Redemption if you haven't already, which you should have. And if not, uh summer days wish list that on Steam, it really actually does help the, the developers. I I mm-hmm. think probably, maybe. It's just a button you can press yeah, it. So def- right. See? It confirmation does all right. Yeah. Press set, and it, press there's a me. playable
3: demo too. So uh give mm-hmm. it a shot, see what it's like and uh
2: Yeah. Exactly. Give the demo a go. Press the button. Press it twice. Actually, no, don't press it twice because that'll just undo the first time you pressed it. <laughs> press, just it press it three times. times. <laughs> yeah. One or three times. No, no more or less. Um, thank you all for joining us. Don't forget to check us out, uh, on Facebook where the classic game guild. We got Instagram at CGG podcast. We're on Twitter. Do us a tweet if you will at the CG guild. Uh, you can find us on Patreon if you want to bloody chuck in a buck or whatever. And a very special thank you to those in our extra special thanks tier, which will be Jay Holmes, Mark Fillion, and Chad Herman. We thank you a lot so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We love you. Uh, bloody don't do a murder.